I'm gonna do my own. I got the guitar thing going on, man. I've been working on it. And so this is like the built-in little intro to the board like we were talking about with Mike and everything. Not really a big fan of it, you know? It's kind of like, eh, I don't dig that. So that was that. And, and then so playing around, learning some tunes. I actually, it's funny. I uh, signed up for the tab thing. And the first thing on top is like the Lady Gaga shall, uh, Shallow. So I grabbed that and I did a little piece, but I don't know if I'm going to put it up yet. If I do, I'll put it at the end. But I figure I'm going to do like a name that tune because I'm not really that good. And it's like, well, I'll put a little piece of it and then you guys can listen and try to figure out what it was. And like I throw a lot of like heavy effects on it to cover up my bad playing. But one of the things, it was a goof because I was sitting down talking to Mike and I said, oh, Mike, I got this and I'm doing that. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, Metallica. And I'm like, dude, Metallica is just like... You know, oh, but here, and gotta do it over. I messed it all up. I blew my own joke, man. So Mike's like, dude, Metallica. And I'm like, okay. So I, 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 here's the one little, I assigned one of my buttons to a guitar thing that I did. And here's my Metallica. So it's just junk, junk. I need, a, I need a note, junk, junk. That's it. So there's my Metallica stuff. Hey, uh, welcome to the Everyday Sniper Podcast. We're uh, getting ready to take off tomorrow. Going to Gunsight, um, the guys from Alaska, Mark Taylor and all his crew up there. I mean, Alaska does, you, you, I talk about it all the time. If you go back to all our podcasts, you'll listen to crazy stuff with the Alaska guys and, and just everything going on. They are a tight-knit community building from the ground up. So going to, you know, we've been talking about history, having the military. Speaking of which, I am talking with the USMC guys. They got to get clearances and all that, so they need it. I have to Q&A. With command, and so I did reach out to them. Hopefully, they'll they'll agree to it. You know, who knows? But we'll see. And um, so we're gonna do that. We're gonna try to uh do do something with the USMC as well. But going back to Taylor, so you think about it. We first go up to Alaska. We're doing like th- two classes, three classes. I think we did. I don't remember how many, but it was it was very few. Four maybe. I think we did two and two. So it's like four classes. Now we're doing 10, okay? So think about that. So we in four years, we grew from four classes a year to 10 classes a year, okay? Student-wise, graining up, and Mark's just this nucleus of the community. And really, that's what it takes is somebody locally in that area, it's that mentor, right? So you don't just mentor kids, you mentor your community. And so you get that mentorship that comes up and... You know, Mark's just building and building and building this community in his own image. Now they are branching out. They're doing little competitions. They're doing all these different things. There's there's like a, a crew. And Mark does, he doesn't shoot PRS type of stuff. He's really turned off to the whole kind of idea of what we, you know, the bitches that we have. And, and he just, it, it's a tough kind of deal. Because, like, when you're on our end of it and you're an instructor, it, it can it could be a double-edged sword if you let it. So you go to a match and say you don't do well. Well, all of a sudden, everybody who doesn't like you starts, well, Frank sucks, Frank this, or that didn't do that, or he didn't do this, or Mark talks a good game, but he doesn't do well in this or that. You know, it doesn't, it, it only takes one bad one, and people will talk. But Mark shoots like F-class, right? So J-Bear up there in Alaska, they have this kind of like modified F-class where they'll let the tactical guys shoot. It's not, I don't think all the matches are um, 
uh, nationally affiliated. Some of them are local. So there's a big crew of F-Class guys because they like to shoot the F-Class with their tactical rifles. It's good training. And I know Tim up there, one of the guys, is, is kind of getting, he just did a little community to be that mentor. So all the people who took our class, and Tim has taken it at least three times I can think of, um, you know, he's now becoming that guy, okay? He's becoming the one to say, hey, everybody, if you're interested in doing this, if you want to practice, you want to train, you want to learn, come on here and I'll help. And, and that's what it takes. So getting back to going to gun sites. So all the guys from Alaska, because they're in they're in the snow. Like we had snow yesterday too, like six inches. But anyway, they're uh, going down there for the XLR. XLR class, but gun site calls it XLR. I've taken it three or four times already, but I'm going and I'm going to drive out there tomorrow and I'm going to take it. Hopefully they'll let me because I never signed up. Now, the Mark's like, sign up, do this, blah, blah, and I never did it. I didn't know what my schedule was going to be, the whole thing. So I'm just going to drive in and show up. I've done that before with them. Hopefully nothing's changed. You know, worst case, they'll turn around and tell me to go home. But, and you know, oh, get the freak out of here. But um, anyway, uh, so I, I'm, I'm putting everything together, getting ready. Uh, I was going to take this scenic trip out 70 down Utah and come in that way. But with the snow we just had, I don't know what the mountains are like. So I'm going to end up going south through Albuquerque and cut over. Then when I go home, I'll come the other way. I think that's going to be a neat little thing. It's like 750 miles for me to go to a gun site. So I'm going to just hop in the car tomorrow morning. I got everything ready. Went to the grocery store, got my snack biz and stuff. So that way there I can make sure that um, I'm, I'm well fueled for my drive. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of, you know, the, the XLR stuff is getting really big. I, we have a beyond the 1,000-yard section on Sniper's Hide. And I'm really, I, I kind of have my finger on with a lot of it, but I don't talk about it as much um, just because now we'll be getting back into it. And, and honestly, with my shoulder, I'm not supposed to be shooting big stuff, but I'm going to end up doing it this weekend because I got that Desert Tech that I'm going to uh, take with me, 375, 50 cal. I got some ammo and stuff from them. I got my 300 Norma, which... My 300 normal with the suppressor on, it's a pussycat to shoot. It's really, you know, it doesn't feel like anything. It's 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 not a big, crazy, heavy rifle. It's a tactical and an AICS chassis. You know, it, it's it's a, a Remington 700 that Gap did for me originally. It was one of the first Remingtons that, oh, it was a 338. And so GA Precision built me a 338 off of it years ago like 2002 2004 and so when I burnt that barrel out I had it re-barreled into 300 Norma so I got some good loads I have actually three different kinds of ammo I got the Nexus 215s I got that applied ballistic 230s and then I got the Andrew McCourt my hand loads that are 230s so my hand loads are a little tiny hot so I'm not quite sure what's going on so I got this other ammo to fall back on and everybody's telling me this Nexus stuff. The ne Nexus stuff is like the military side of things. They do a lot of military contract ammo and all that. So if you never heard of them, that's because they're kind of under the radar. The better tiered units when they need something semi-fancy, if Black Hills or Federal's not doing it, Nexus does it uh, as one of them. So anyway, so I have Nexus 215s in the, uh, what do you call it, the um, uh, 300 Norma. And my 300 norm is a hammer. I have a one in ten. You know, it's it's a laser beam of a of a of a rifle. 
Uh, it's a quarter minute at 100, and it carries all the way out. I've taken it to 2,500. And usually, if I remember right, gun sights between 22 and 2,400 meters. Their XLR course is on a meter range. They go out to their HK Israeli meter range out there in the on the backside by past Corey's house. And so it's all in meters. So I've shot this to 2,500 here. Now we're going to go there, and I'm going to shoot it to, like, 2200 meters i think is what it is so it shouldn't be any problem it carries really good doesn't beat me up the suppressor on it i don't know if i ever told you guys the story on my suppressor with that it's it's pretty darn funny um so you know i had relationships with a lot of companies and people coming up and aac was coming out with this titanium 300 you know Magnumish suppressor that, that it, and it ended up changing like four different names. When I got it, there's not even a name on the box. It's like Mark 300, but then it became the Scar Heavy, and then this other 300 Ti, I think they called it. So I had gotten it from them when it was still like in the unnamed. Hey, we just came out with this mode, and I put it on the shelf, and I never really used it. So I'm like, that's ah, AAC. I, I was never like a monster fan of them. I mean, they were a little heavy, not super quiet. The, the You know, there's a little bit with their, their brakes and everything, the movement in the brake. And, you know, they went 51, 90. What, what, how many tooth we going to use today? Quick lock, not quick lock, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I'm building this 300 Norma. And I said, you know, I got this frigging suppressor. I'll put the brake on it, you know, so I can use that suppressor. So they put the gun together. We go and we do it, and I, I had it spun up, and it was originally in a, in a regular uh, a legacy AI chassis, okay? It was AICS, a legacy one. So then, you know, when I rebuilt it, I dropped it into an AX chassis. So it gets redone. It's a little mix and match, and I'm going to send it to Brandon Burkhart, custom gun coats, um, and have him paint it. So then it's like, okay, I get it. I send it off, and they're painting it. And so yeah, that takes a little while. Brandon's always busy and stuff like that. No hurry, no big deal. Well, then I get a note like, hey, that reamer was wrong, because this is when they had this questionable reamer going on with 300 Norma. It's kind of like the Valkyrie. Okay, you hear this horror story with Valkyrie and horror story with Norma. The Norma horror stories came from two places. There was a bad reamer in spec and then the twist once the army got in uh, involved on that they decided one and eight twist and it's like dude why are we wasting our time on a one and eight the entire freaking shooting world uses a one in ten if you want to do a fancy solid like a warner tool it's one in nine you know but then they go all the way to one and eight but then they crank the velocity up you know what i mean because they got a 26 20 or 25 to 27 inch barrel i think it was 27 27-inch barrel going mega velocity because they're pushing it hard. And even people are saying this Nexus ammo is is pretty, you know, pretty hot. So, you know, then they do the 230, and with the 1 and 8, the 230's not working right. And then they go to, oh, you know, you need the 215. We found a problem with the 230. Oh, we did this. We did that. It's, it's all these conflicting battles. So I get the note. Hey, the reamer's wrong. Okay, cool. 
well, it's being painted and the whole thing. It's like, all right, well, just let it finish getting painted and, and everything else. Well, then they get the right reamer over to Logan when he was at mile high. So Logan, you know, uh, Francis Cool had built the rifle originally, rebuilt it. And then Logan turned around and said, hey, I'll, I'll touch it and, and clean up the chamber so you don't have to ship it back and forth and around. We'll just ship the reamer. Okay, cool. So he goes in, he taps it, he touches it, he cleans it up. Everything's good, and the gun's a laser. One in 10, 25-inch barrel. I'm at The original load that I was using with the 230s was 2960. SD is 7, gun's a freaking hammer. Okay, so now I got a new load, and I kind of juiced it up a little bit. Andrew, Andrew McCourt changed the formula a little bit. We did a little testing with the crayons. I had the picture online with all the crayons and all that, and I had a 29.95 with the 230s that was good, and and I'm hoping it's going to be good because I think it was winter and, and, you know, summer, so it's not a hot load, low load, because when I got that, like I said, I'd gotten the same batch of load in. We did the same thing with the 260, and it, and it was popping. You know, the 260 wasn't working in the summer, and I was like, ah, shit, I ran that 260 really hot. And then, you know, in the 90 degree, it wasn't working and it broke my extractor on the Tika and it messed it all up. So I'm hoping this doesn't happen again with the this load. You know what I mean? So I got 200 rounds of the McCourt stuff, which might be a little sporty. But then I got like almost 200 rounds of AB and then I got another 60 rounds of Nexus. So I got backup. But just in case is sporty, too. I got a backup rifle for it. I got a crack in here. So I got the Kadex Kraken. I got a 300 normal barrel. It's a one in nine. I should be good to go. So I made sure everything's good with the Kraken. It's ready. I got the the change kit. I got the whole thing. I'm taking the Kraken as a backup. I got the 300 Norma, my, my GA Francis Cool build. And then I have uh, the, the Desert Tech. And I don't have a lot of rounds with the Desert Tech. I'm going to let some of the guys shoot that and, and see, go do, you know, because it's more of like a review. Hey, what do you think of this rifle? You know what I mean? So I'm not going to get married to what's going on with these other ones. But the Norma, I shoot a lot. Like I said, it doesn't beat me up. So it's going to be a little bit better for my shoulder and, and everything that's going on with that. So getting ready, hop in the car. Got about a 10-hour drive tomorrow uh, to get me over to Gunsight. And uh, then it's a week with the guys from Alaska. I guess there's about 10 or 12 of us that are going. And, you know, again, it comes down to that, you know, why do we do the class? Why do you do the training? Why do you do competition? Because it's meeting people. It's networking. It's finding like-minded people in your area, which is why local comps are really good as well. Because maybe you go to a local comp and there's a guy that's just, you know, in the same boat as you, cross town from you doesn't know a whole lot of people and then you guys link up and next thing you know you become that little network and nucleus and you start growing out from there so uh definitely going to look at that while i'm uh at gun site i'll see if i can knock out a few interviews for the podcast i mean i think walt i think they asked for walt and cory cory trap um and, and Walt there to do the, as be the instructors. They do a little bit of, um you know, a little classroom, then go out. They do a lot of truing, a lot of software, a lot of stuff, uh, uh, verifying. They have tall, thin targets, water lines, make sure where you're hitting. And so for like the first two days, you're really just truing up your rigs, you know. And so that's going to be a key element of this. 
I said, I've done it so many times. I'm really just going there as part of the support for Taylor. He was at first he was worried about bodies and gun sites minimum. And like I said, I'm not even signed up. It's going to be like, hey, I'm Frank. I'm, just, I'm taking your class. You know, so that's that. That's, anyway, so that yeah, that's that's what it, it's going to be. It's going to be take the class and, and see what's going on. But uh, no, I hope uh, hope everybody's cool and, and, and all that. I wanted to get into some questions, too. Uh, let me see if I can get into the Podbean app here. There's been some weirdness I couldn't get. Somebody posted something about the app shutting down and the Android not working and all this other stuff. These are not just on the Podbean. They're on iTunes as well. And I don't know. I have an Android. I don't use it that much. It's not even on half the time. So I don't know if you can load in iTunes to Android. I would guess you could for people who've switched, you know, but um, I don't know off the top of my head. But try iTunes and their podcast app. Uh, I guess we can try to, um, you know, turn around and, and uh, what do you call it? See if we can load it into something automatic. I don't know. Podbean sometimes has an API in a feed in it. We didn't, you know, I had to go through, jump through hoops to get it into iTunes. But once I load it into Podbean, it automatically appears on iTunes. Maybe I can go to Google Podcasts and do the same thing and connect it through Google Podcasts and maybe that will work. Because I do have um, Rob Doc, a Robot Doc. Um, he's like, what the hell's wrong with the episode? I, the Sergeant Keenan episode, I could not get to load correctly on the, the desktop either. So yesterday I was trying to get something and look at the listen to that episode, look at, listen to it, and um and figure it out. Well, um, it, it wasn't loading right. I kept having to reload it, reload it, reload, and it was taking forever. So I'm guessing whatever little error happened, try shutting everything down and turning it back up, and it was probably just some temporary thing with uh with the with the apps so um you know there's that uh, again the guys want something other than the android it says dude you know unless google we can do it like that um first stage jitters yes 100 percent, dude i get first stage jitters all the time so what i was talking about in competition and how it's good to get you out of your comfort zone and you know that i still get those first stage butterflies so um uh, somebody's asking me, all these podcasts you guys do is very helpful. Quick selection. Why are you so much hate on Savage Rifles? Okay, here's the thing, man. If we dislike something or if we say, hey, avoid that, they usually made their own bed. Okay, it's the same thing with like IOR, man. I have this whole this whole hate relationship going on with IOR. They, you know, back in the day, they tried to take, you know, Sniper's Hide's trademarked. And they did a Sniper's Hide edition, and it was never authorized. I never even spoke to them directly because a reticle was designed on Sniper's Hide. So one of their dealers, a Scott from Liberty Optics, had come up and said, hey, man, you know, uh, IOR, they want to do all this. They want a better, you know, a more refined scope. This was the 3 to 18 that went to, like, the Gen 4s. Well, there was this kind of... Little back and forth with Scott, but I never spoke with IOR. Well, then, you know, I, I'm like, all right, well, I want to see what's going on. I want to shoot all this before I put my name on it. Well, the reticle was designed by Sniper's Hide members. I don't know what they call it. It's like an MP8 or something. It's the floating dot reticle that IOR. That was designed by Sniper's Hide members. 
Scott had asked them and said, you know, submit your best. Guys would just draw a picture, put it up, and they, they chose the one that was voted on. You know, and that's not, back in the day, if you think about the Kelly McMillan stuff in the A5 stock, the A5 stock came from the Sniper's Hide form. The MP8 reticle or whatever it's called came from the form. There was others that have done things like this where a company will come in and say, I want oh, Steve Woods with the Hide Fighter knife. Okay, there's a Hide Fighter knife, which is like one of the most famous. It's on the cover of books because Steve does the pictures and all that. But if you look at any of the magazines with fancy gun pictures or knife pictures, that's Steve Woods. The Hide Fighter was designed on Sniper's Hide. Okay, so there's all these things floating out there. And that was so IOR just basically took it upon themselves to call it a Sniper's Hide Edition scope. There was no... Uh, licensing contract, the whole thing with the company. They never contacted me, and it's like, no, fuck no, get this thing off. And then on top of that, they're breaking all the time. You know, that's why there's four gens of them. Everybody's, oh, the best glass in the world. Fucking glass don't mean nothing if the turrets don't turn and work, right? It's waste of your time. We're not spotting scopes. These are rifle scopes. <laughs> so anyway, if the turret don't work, right, what's the point? Anyway, so for years, it's been like Sniper's Hide and doesn't get along with IOR. If you come on there with an IOR question, it's going to be Popcorn Central, and we all laugh, and we, we say stuff. And a guy just came on this week, and he's like, I bought a brand-new Terminator, and it's like, dumbass. And he's like, I bought a brand-new Terminator, and it don't work. And it's like, well, because it's the IOR casino, man. You roll dice and see if you what you get. And in this case, crapped out, dude. So, you don't, you know, you have that. So, Savage. Same thing going back to Savage. When we first started the site, 2001 year time frame, I go to SHOT Show. Savage has the 10 FP, okay, in 260. So they're discontinuing it because Remington didn't support 260. Nobody liked it. It was this whole thing. 260's dying on the vine. So Savage is discontinuing the 260. I go to him at SHOT Show. I meet the VP of Savage, and I say, listen— can I buy some of these things? We want to do a project on Sniper's Hide with various members. We're calling it the Ghost Dancer, right? A hunter and all this. And it was an Indian thing. And Greg Langalius and Dan Shumway, you know, Dan and Dan Shumway, all these guys. We're going to do this. And then we're all going to go to Raton and shoot Spirit of America competition, but with savages that we tooled up. It was kind of like going the RPR route back in 2001. So Savage sells me five 10 FPs for 250 bucks a piece. Okay, so great. So we all got Savage's 10 FPs, their factory stock. We get Lothar Walter. We get all new barrels for them, spec it out the way we want. Uh, before This was before the AccuTrigger, too. So uh, Sharpshooter Supply had triggers for them. You could put an aftermarket trigger in. We do that. McMillan does the first inlet for the Savage 10 FP in an A5 stock. So we do the A5 because we just came out with that and Savage, and we build up this F-class gun and we do this whole big thing. So I go, now Sniper's Hide was tiny. We probably had only 2,500 members in the internet. It's, you know, it was considered more lame then than it is now. You know, companies didn't want to embrace social media that way. There was no Facebook. There was no Twitter. There was none of these other things. There was snipers hiding a forum. And we had like 2,500 members. So when the project's done and we do all this stuff, we go over to Savage and we're like, hey, Savage, we want to continue working with you, all this other crap. And it's like, 
no, nah, you know, we don't really care what you did. You're not doing anything we think is interesting. Tactical shooter, snipers hide. Yeah, have fun, little kids. Go play in your little pond. You know, hee, hee, hee. You got your little kiddie pool. Go play. And they blew me the fuck off, like hardcore. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, then, like, two years later, the site's getting busier, and it's growing exponentially now. And, like, Savage Marketing's like, oh, we read all this stuff, and it's so great. Oh, we want to do it. And I was like, nah, dude, fuck off, man. You guys were freaking dicks to me the first time. But then Savage always has this weird, like, guys either love him or hate him. But we find, and, and this is, this is going to check into the Ruger thing because it just came up this week and I wanted to mention it. So anyway, we find, you know, lately we're always wrenching on Savage rifles in class. Every time, if we have more than three or, you know, at least three Savage rifles in a class, I guarantee we're going to wrench on it. And we've even had it where, where there was one Savage Rifle in the class and we had a wrench on it three times. You know what I mean? So I've done that. And so we'd always be like, fuck. And that's where like the RPR came in. And what it came down to is like this Monday Friday gun was like, your, your guns produced on Monday sucks. Your guns produced on Friday suck. Your guns produced on Wednesday sucked, you know, and Tuesday afternoon they sucked because it's Taco Tuesday and everybody wanted to leave. And then Thursday when everybody got paid, they went to the bar after. Thursday afternoon guns suck and Friday morning guns suck and Friday afternoon guns suck. But Tuesday morning and Thursday morning and Wednesday morning, they were good. So if you got a gun made on Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning or Thursday morning, it's a rock star. Any other time, nah, not so much. You know, and, and again, this is just our opinion. This is just how we see it. But we're always doing this weird little stuff to, to work on them. You know, like the rails coming loose. And you hear about more than one rail. Hey, man, we had these rails coming loose. Yeah, we had rails coming loose. Oh, we had rails coming loose. You know, then the mags and this and that. And it's like, oh, man. Plus, they don't have a very good resale value. And aftermarket products for them kind of suck. They're, they're limited. You know what I mean? But guys like them because they're really inexpensive. And that's kind of why we started saying RPR, RPR, RPR. And we backed off talking about the RPR because we got the Ashbury rifles now, right? So why go and do all the work we're doing? And it's funny, a guy come on, and, and, and I threw this out there. So a guy comes on Sniper Side Forum, and he's talking about his brand new RPR. And it's not shooting very well. It's all fucked up. And he's like, ah, it's only shooting like a minute and a half. The best group I can get out of every kind of ammo. Oh, man, what do I do? It sucks. It's like this friggin' it's just not what he expected. He, he sees people say it's good. It's inexpensive. I love it. Why doesn't mine work? I said, hey, listen, dude, take it apart. Don't don't start getting into all this other stuff. And everybody's going, giving him advice, upgrade this, change that new barrel here, which you can. But what I said to him to do is the first thing I said, dude, and, and, and this is going to sound strange, but this is what I told him. I come on the sniper's hide, and I answer him. I said, listen, take the gun apart, put it back together right. Tighten it down, make sure you go in, in the order, take it all apart, and then reverse, put it all back together, but torque and tighten it the way it should be. He does, and it's working. He's like, why does that make it work better? I said, well, you got a Friday gun, you know, or Monday. You know what I mean? Monday morning, Friday. And it's like he, he wrote me back, and he's like, dude, that sounded so not plausible, and yet I did it because it came from you, and it worked. And that's kind of how these things go, you know what I mean? And why we went in the direction we went. So 
what we're doing with, with that stuff like going to the Ashbury. It's because that problem with the RPR, that inconsistency, okay, or the upgrade where people are like, you know, they buy an RPR at a thousand bucks and then they do everything we recommend and $2,400 later, they got a tricked out nice RPR and it works really good, but it's still a $2,400 RPR. So $2,000 APO solves that problem, saves you money. We know it's QC'd, it's quality. You can do upgrades before. If you want, and then you got modularity with the stock, right? So we're, we're, we got that. But the same thing with Savage. It's in, in what really, really drove me nuts forever was guys coming to class with a damn Axis 338. It's like, number one, you don't want to learn on a 338 if you could help it. But that was like because they made it so affordable and the 338 such a hard hitter. And it, it's a, I like the 338 Lapua. It's a good round. I dig it. I'd rather shoot 338 all day than 300 Win Mag. I'm not a Win Mag fan at all. And so anything in the 338 family, I'll go to all day long. In the 300 Win Mag family, not so much. There's a snap recoil difference, a push versus a snap. And so I'm sitting there in all these years for classes. It's like dudes are showing up with a damn savage Axis 338, you know, and it's like, oh, here, here we go you know, insert eye roll and you're probably out there listening. Sorry, dude, it's not personal. You know, it's just kind of funny. You're not the only one, trust me. Um, and, and so that put another kind of a bad because they made it, it was marketed to the wrong people. You know what I mean? It was like, hey, everybody, you too can shoot a 338 like the military sniper. And it's like, oh God. And they made it all cool guy and it was in movies and, you know, and it's it's got that 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 chassis from a, it was one of the first chassis from a manufacturer, so it stood out when you look at all these other stocks out there. And then this this space age chassis in three thirty eight, it's ooh ah ooh ah, you know, and 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 so it's that kind of stuff, and and that's why we're down on Savage. So hopefully that answers your Savage question and brings it around and says uh. The Sergeant Keenan says, this was one of my top 10 podcasts, and I've heard them at least once. Sergeant Keenan, or Staff Sergeant, uh, was a great to hear that he had his, uh, from his Army experience. It would be great to hear from him again after. They want to hear about the International Sniper Comp and stuff like that and the different teams. Uh, here we go, Casey. It says, hi there, Frank. Big fan of the podcast. I'd love some more advice on trigger control in relation to recoil management. A bit of background. I'm new rifle shooter, less than 1,000 rounds, shooting a Remington 700 308 20-inch barrel. It sits in a Magpul Hunter stock, and I have a single-stage trigger tech trigger at two pounds. Good choice. I dig a trigger tech. Anyway, the recoil anticipation is enough that I'm finding myself mashing the trigger and pulling close to half a minute off. It's when that's how that's pretty typical, dude. So Casey's telling that. So I understand that time behind the gun is the best training, but I'm looking for additional tips that you might have to break his bad habits. Okay, Casey, here's the deal, man. Dry fire, dry fire, dry fire. You want to burn in that trigger control with positive reps without recoil. Okay. So you got to dry fire like it's 100% live, man. You can't dick around. It's got to be like this is your life depends on it for every single shot. Okay, run the bolt completely. Come up, come down, index that. And here's the cool thing with dry fire, man. 
You can go and say, okay, I need a 90-degree trigger finger, pat of the finger on the center of the shoe. I don't want too high up. I don't want too far down. I don't want, like, the edge of the bottom of the shoe in the middle of my pad or something. I want to be in the shoe, little down lower, but not, you know, not too uncomfortably low with the pad on that trigger. 90 degrees from that joint over the firing hand, right, your position supports that 90-degree trigger finger and firing task. Relax your thumb up on the tide if you're floating it to the side or whatever. If you're coming up on top, you just leave it relaxed up there. Well, then it's press and freeze, okay? Well, you can take your head and rotate it off the stock, okay? I'm doing it on the, on, on the mic here. So if you just picture in your mind's eye, you're looking at me. I'm square in front of the mic. Now I'm going to look at my—I'm going to move my head to the left. Moving head, moving head to the left. Now I want to look at that 90-degree trigger finger and make sure my fingernail—I'm back at the mic now. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make sure my fingernail starts and stops at 9 o'clock, completely straight across. Think of a straight line going through the trigger. So if the barrel's 12 o'clock, you have a line at 3 and 9, okay? I'm coming in from 3 if I'm a right-handed shooter, and I'm pointing out to 9. My 90-degree trigger has to be perpendicular to the travel of the bullet, right? So the bore, the barrel, the whole thing, I'm pointing to 9. I need my trigger control. I want to break the shot and start and stop so that my fingernail stays in the same spot. If you notice your fingers curling back a little bit, pointing to like, okay, that's 9 o'clock I'm pointing at but you're pointing at seven o'clock when you're done, you're crushing it, okay? So I go and I break the trigger and my finger, the tip of my finger will bend and point my fingernail like seven o'clock, crushing it. You don't wanna tap it and come off and not follow through. You wanna break and freeze where your fingernail starts and stops at nine o'clock, okay? Doesn't wanna point at 10 and you don't want it pointing at seven, nine. There's your trigger control, dude. Dry fire, dry fire, dry fire, and dry fire like they're real, okay? That way there, you're not getting influenced by recoil. You're not getting the bang and the boom and the whole thing, as well as with that, if you find that you're anticipating recoil, double ears, man. Put some foamies in and then put some over your ears on. Double your ears up because sound, we're reacting to sound when we do this, okay? Flinching anticipation, recoil, all that's coming from the noise. The noise, that's where it's coming from. So if we double our ears up, we'll kind of make our brain feel a little bit happier, okay? So our brain will be less flinch factory and more like, hey, that's not such a big deal. And that's what you're looking to do. But the dry fire is going to be your best friend there, KCH. All right, um, what does it say? Uh, what's the site for the Minnesota course registration at? I don't know if we're going to have a site. It's going to go through that Gopher Hills Club or whatever it's called for Minnesota. I They have to offer it to their members first. So the Minnesota, I don't think there's going to be a site. I think it'll be a more of a phone call or something because I have my liaison, Eric, up there who set the class up. But there's a process that we have to go through in order for the um, – club to allow us to do it and that means we have to support their membership first and then everybody else after so we have to give them first right of refusal i guess is the way to put it but once i know i'll have a link or i'll have a number on sniper's hide all this information will go through cypress hide and as soon as it's able for you to sign up 
I will I will say something and then you can go on there. Um yeah, some funny rants, equipment reviews, aliens and nuggets. Yep. Keep it up. Holy history lesson, great episode. Thank you. Uh what is this? Uh pretty sure he's talking about the yeah, so Sergeant Keenan, he was talking about the act. They changed these damn names and everything. So, he, yes, he's talking about the accuracy first win formula. I hate all of them. I don't think his formulas are right. Um, he uses these slides and scales and all this bullshit. It, it's a game. Um, same thing with the loophole. I had like four different ways of doing the loophole method and everything else. That's where all that came from. But, yes, he did have a BC method. And what he tried to do is he tried to abscond with the BC method and say he invented it. And so he he threw this kind of formula in and threw a little like, you know, your leftover swing and blah, 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 blah. And it's it's so whatever. Um, but yes, I, I'm well aware, Carlos, but I just didn't want to. I was actually doing my best not to say anything about accuracy first. So I wasn't going to say, oh, that's the A1 formula. But that's really what it come down to. I'm not going to give somebody, um, you know, uh, promote promote their name for no reason when it's really not right. Their loophole formula is wrong and their win formula is fucked up. So, so much for that. Anyway, uh, man, I'm trying to catch up and they're listening. Okay. What is this one? <laughs> Frank, turn off your phone. No shit. Right. I always forget, but cause what happens is with my phone, um, it comes through the computer. So I don't even have my phone with me. It's like downstairs, but the Bluetooth still connected into the computer through the Wi-Fi or whatever, however that phone, Wi-Fi phone ringing, so you can answer it on the computer. So it's ringing through the damn computer. But yeah, you're right. I should be turning it off. And it says, love the podcast, heard every single episode. Uh, find the insights valuable. Actually go back and read some of it. Thank you for that. Uh, I thought it was back in the 70s. Yeah, people are always looking for the win lesson. Um, There's more than one win lesson out there. 70, I think, is the more refined one. But we had like four where we, I'm probably over-modulating a little bit, aren't I? Anyway, we had like four win lessons. But number 70 is one. Uh, they're saying 144 is one. I think there's one in the 80s. But there's more than one wind episode, and they may not all be marked without going into the description and looking. Like the title might not tell you. You got to look in to see if I mentioned what we talk about because I don't always mention it. I'm terrible with meta tags and I'm terrible with, um, you know, hashtagging this and doing that and filling out everything like you're supposed to. It's like, hey, I did another episode. Go listen to it. Bye. You know, so that kind of crap. Uh, help me find out regarding the uh, wind. There is now, listen, with the wind stuff, don't overthink it, man. You go into Sniper's Hide, there's the Everyday Sniper Podcast section. There is a lot of discussion on the wind formula stuff. How to how to make sure to check it with your gun if you want to refine it to even more accurate. How to get it a little squeeze a little bit more accuracy out of it. So instead of a five mile an hour gun, you might have a five point six mile an hour gun, or you know how how changes in weather conditions affect the wind call. You know, for every two thousand feet of elevation you go up, you're going to add a mile an hour to your to your gun's wind speed. If you go down to sea level from up here, say I'm at five thousand feet. I go down to Texas and it's 2,000 feet. Well, I'm going to lose a mile an hour of wind, you know. So there, there, there's, there's all that detail people are looking for that you might not find in the podcast, but you'll find it online in the Sniper Side Forum. Dude, the forum is beyond 
friggin' busy, okay? I'm getting, every night I come up in the morning and there's like between 35 and 45 people trying to register every single day on top of the 50 people we do during the day, you know? So we're doing like 100 new signups every single day. It's just crazy busy and there's tons and tons of detail there. Uh, I mean, I, I probably should read you some of the uh, the testimonials we've been getting lately from guys who have been finding the hide from the podcast and or have been members that were just casual members but then started listening to the podcast and started digging deeper and they're finding a little bit more information. So it's definitely there. It's definitely a, a resource for you to use. It, it, it helps if you're registered, but you don't have to be. And, and it's free, okay, guys? Because people are misunderstanding the upgrades. If you don't, it, it's, it's 100 posts to sell, but you can buy 100 posts, okay? I don't necessarily recommend you buy 100 posts. People kind of look down on it a little bit. but and, and that's money out of my pocket, you know what I mean? But at the same time, there is a 100 post upgrade, and then there's the online training upgrade, the online training, we get a lot of people signing up. It's only $15 a month. You get access to all the videos. You can ask direct questions. You can interact and go back and forth without the peanut gallery there. You know, so there's all that kind of stuff happening. And um, so we see a lot of, I mean, we get guys that come in. They, they pay one month. They pay another month. They watched all the videos. Then they, they cancel it. I, you know, and, and that's kind of screws me. I almost should have like a, hey, you're signing up late, give me a bulk money up front and then do this or do something different, but I don't. It's $15. It's been $15. It's it's almost always been $15 and I haven't raised it. I'd rather have more people have access to it than to pay more money. You know what I mean? I'm a volume guy. I'm not like I got to be rich in three people. So that that's something to look at with that. Um, another great podcast, Frank. Want to know about the Desert Tech? Yep, I'm going to be taking the Desert Tech to Gunsight with me. Uh, Dragon Blood BC. I didn't know they called it a Dragon Blood. I had it for God since the '80s, man. I didn't realize that was a Dragon Blood BC Rich Mockingbird. I just thought it was a transparent red or something. But yeah, I have that. My my brother's got it. I actually saw one um, online. There's a used one here. And Denver, uh, it looks like for it's like a black one, I think. Um, might be twenty four hundred bucks or something. Great podcast, so depressing for us freedom loving Californians. Can't get any suppressors. Yeah, you're shit out of luck, dude. No suppressor for you. California sucks. Um, so that that's with that. And I was just talking about that. Uh, Mike and something with shields. Uh, he's gonna do that. I'm gonna be doing a video for Mike. Speaking of that, I just got a new camera. Finally, like I had ordered this camera. Over three months ago, it's a little tiny one pocket little thing, and it's it's a 4K, and it's 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 a it's like a cinema camera but small, and it was back ordered for like three months, and it just came in this week, so I'm kind of psyched about it. So I've been spending the day caging it up, learning about it. Okay, I got to do this and do that up. I can't use this, can't use that. Trying to use some of my old stuff with the new, and it's off just enough to be annoying. It's like goddamn, err. So I got that happening. Try to shoot a little bit of video for you guys, but I'm just learning it. I'm not going to take it to gun sight. It'll distract me too much trying to figure out if I'm getting it right. But it's a, it's a, um, excuse me, a burping man, just ate lunch. Uh, anyway, it's a, it's a finesse camera. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like a, like a fly off. I'm going to bring the GoPros. I got them rigged up pretty well. 
and I'm going to bring um, my other camera, my kind of running gun camera that's just, you know, point and shoot. And so I'm going to bring that guy. And, and so we can sh- film something from gun site and maybe put something out there. But otherwise, um, you know, I'll be there. I'll try to upload some stuff. It shouldn't be too big. I'll try to get some interviews after hours or whatever with uh, Corey, maybe Walt, or maybe both of them together and let them talk about uh, what they do at gun site and things like that. I could probably fit in with both of them. All righty, so I'm going to beg off. You guys have a great weekend. Stay safe. Safety, 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 right? Don't point the rifle at anything you're not willing to destroy and take full responsibility for. Fingers straight and out of the trigger before your sights are on target. Know your target and backstop. You own the bullet till it comes to a complete stop, right? All those different things. If it's a weapon, it's loaded. Treat all weapons as if they are loaded. So definitely think about that safety, guys. Think about where your muzzle's pointing. Don't do that suitcase carry kind of stuff, right? Bolt up, man. Don't worry, or not worry, but don't uh, rely on that trigger's mechanical safety. Your bolt is your best safety. Just lift the bolt up, your gun's safe, out of battery, right? Bolt up, mag out when you're moving, things like that. Make sure that you're, you're, you're always conscious of that even when you're in your house, by your car, no matter where you are. Think of that muzzle as a laser beam, laser beam, a laser. And that wherever that laser touches is bad. It's like a lightsaber or something. Whoa, I can't do the lightsaber sound right now. Anyway, safety, guys. Think about safety when you're doing this and think about what's going on. Uh, probably after this, not this time, I won't do it. I'll do it after. I'll, I'll play, I got a um, with GarageBand and all that. I, I've recorded a couple other things, and I'll stick them out there. So we'll do the name that tune after I get back. We'll turn around and say, oh, what is he playing? Even though it's going to be all distorted or effects out. I found this kind of goofy, robot-y, spacey effect. And then when I did, like, shallow and stuff, and then after it's over, like, go through one little thing with it and then hit the overdrive and rah, and then go heavy metal version. There's this dude I found on YouTube, this Leo guy out of Norway or whatever. I think he's Norway or Finland. And um, he does, like, all cover songs and shit. He's in a studio. He's a good good uh, musician, dude, and he plays all these cover songs, like heavy metal versions. So it, it kind of gives me an idea where to go with it by watching Leo on YouTube. All righty. All right, guys. Have a good one, and I'll talk to you later. Peace.